Um, okay, here we go. This is how it always starts. Breathing exercises. I just turned 50 waiting for this thing to start, Chumaka. <laughs> I'm 49 and 1 12th. Let's come on. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Did I Do That? It is a podcast about making graphic design and making mistakes because it's all part of the process. I'm Sean Schumacher, and joining me today, a very special guest. He is a legend of the Portland design scene. In 2004, he founded his own studio where he does a little bit of everything, from branding to merch to illustration to pop-up shops to Skillshare courses and way more than that. Plus, you can find his book pretty much everything in bookstores just about everywhere. Yeah. It is the one, the only, Aaron Draplin. Hello. Well, thanks, Sean. Thank yeah. you. Hi. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the backyard here. Thank you for coming across the river and braving the, uh, you know, when I go slumming down in the lowlands where you guys operate. <laughs> Okay, thank you for coming to the Highlands. You know we're about two hundred feet higher. Really, yeah. I didn't know Just that. Just a little smidge. When you go up Sandy, Sandy and Sixtieth, you go about two hundred feet up. So welcome to the Alpine meadows of uh, you know the foothills of Mount Hood out here. But um, yeah, thank you. Let's, yeah, let's, they let's... they call this part of town the two hundred foot high city. <sighs> we are technically <laughs> we're, we're technically Roseway, right? And I, yeah. you know, I always forget like. There's lots of rose things in town, but we are we're called Roseway, and um, I've been here um, 18 years. This is my home and where I live and stuff. But the backyard, I've been here about four and a half years. We we got in in the summer of 2018, a couple years before things got weird. Um, but we've been, you know, if I get if I make it through the night, number one. If I make it through to next June, that'll be five full years wow. in the backyard. But yeah, and you know, the idea is we were downtown, right across the river from you guys. Yeah. But um, it was harder and harder to park. And we were spending a lot of time sitting in traffic on Sandy yeah. Boulevard. Like, what, is, what does that even mean? And your, you know? your old studio was in an industrial part of town on the other side of the train tracks. Yeah, the yeah. tracks where the trains just stop sometimes. It and would just... rattle your, uh, your little fillings right out of your little uh, diseased teeth. Um, <laughs> a couple times, a couple times I had to park on the other side of the tracks because there was an event going on or, oh, yeah. or we, I, I couldn't get my van into the basement. So I'd have to park on the other side of the tracks. And then I would be leaving at two in the morning and there would be a freighter out there just kind of like idling, you know, just ding, 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 the whole thing. And then one time, you know, I'm staying there like, fuck, you know, it's, it's not going to take off. What if it's, what if it goes for an hour, Yeah, two hours and, and I and it does to, sometimes. I need to drive home. So I climb my little, Dainty petite Aaron Draplin up the little tick 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 crossed run down. So that's I was breaking the law. Oh, the little you actually climbed onto the. How do you get across? Now, I I started to look all the way down. Like wow. I guess I could go out to where it's you know walk all the way down the tracks. But I saw other people doing it. You know, but that's so dangerous. But that yeah. you know those funny little instances or you know me who's an animal. Sure, I was able to do that. But what about when it's your buddy who's just kind of spending the night and we're working late on a project all weekend long and they have to go park over there it kind of started to get freaky one time a buddy jumped into his car and sat on a guy's head because the oh. guy the guy climbed in through his window and it was dark oh. and he couldn't see and he was just it was cold and rainy out and he yeah. was sleeping in there and my buddy you know scared the hell out of my buddy but you know sort of indicative of like people need help and we you know it, it scared my friend but you know we also were kind of portlanders where we were like well 
this happens sometimes yeah. here. What are you going to do? So, But anyway. you've got this lovely studio yeah. here. We're sitting next to your, your record collection, which is taller. I think if you stacked us on top of each other, I think I couldn't reach the top. It goes to 10 foot. I can't even reach the top Damn. two. Those are extras. Those are extras. So any, you know, the Melvins come out with a new record. I buy two copies. I play one. I play with one. Um, I put one away. And someday I'll trade it or because it's all just kind of getting value up there. You yeah. Know? Um, I'm that kind of asshole who missed the boat on some band. And I go buy the record four years later that came out and it's already dead. It's gone. It's It's only on these Discogs and Ebays. And I'm paying double. Yeah. You know, so yeah. there's a weird little economy to that. You know, also a friend will come over and say, Ooh, you have an extra copy of so I just give it to him. I don't give a shit. You know, whatever. So that's God, you know, that's if you're looking for any maroon great. five, I have a big stat I'm lying, I'm lying. I'm like, no, okay. <laughs> the, the market for maroon five records has never been hot. Poor guys, I just trash them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> nice bunch of people. You know. Wasn't wasn't that the guy who was sending uh, I, pictures I, to somebody? I made that joke somewhere, and someone said, "Well, you know what he did now." And I don't know what he did now. I I'm, don't feel uh, great confidence that yeah, I know what he you did. Know, I mean, we, we have these jokes here because I like to go and what's a technical term? You know, shit on a band that I think shouldn't <laughs> be a big giant thing, like Greta Van Fleet or something horrible. I don't and even know who that don't is. Don't even don't even go there. But it makes me mad because um, you know. They're marketable and they're this and they're that and it's a um it's this creepy thing where the bands I love they get one one hundredth of what these turds get and it pisses me off. So yeah. you know uh, the things that I have on this wall they do come from you know smaller uh, beginnings and and crusty little things. So you know if I have a Metallica section, I mean I grew up around that stuff, but you're gonna find every Flaming Lips record because when I was a kid. They were tiny and, and, and improbable, and that was something that spoke to me because I came from a shitty little Midwestern town like they do, yeah. you know, Oklahoma City versus you know northern Michigan, middle of nowhere. That really spoke to me. So that's, you know, this is kind of a weird uh, you know monolith to the things that I love the art or I love the songs or I love the – that someone was able to get away with – 15 Jesus Lizard records. You know, by the way, they're a real danceable outfit, these fucks. But I love what, that. I grew what, up with this stuff. Yeah. What kind of music does Jesus Lizard play? Well, the danceable. Oh, it's a real grinding, angular. Oh. Uh, I don't know how to say it. it it's uh, macho in a, in, a, in a weird way. But, okay. Um, you know, they were uh, a guitar rock and roll band. And they fucking ripped. And they were very visceral. And when you went and saw them, you know, at Satyricon here in Portland. Oh, sure. Um, they were at one with the crowd. Yeah. And a complete lack of pretense as far as like where something you're not. Um, they would make fun of the crowd. I saw them play La Luna one time here in Portland. This is long before you were born, Sean. Um, <laughs> um, where like they turned the lights on. Oh, and they were like done. the house lights? Yeah, house lights on. And they turned the music off and they finished the couple songs to the crowd, like basically just oh, singing God. along. And, you know, and because maybe they went over a curfew. But that, that really affected me <laughs> as a kid. Like, you know cool it can be pure that way they can be you know you can get kicked by the singer you know basically he was on top of the crowd and you were this you know this what's fun is um they've done a couple reunions these guys and they're not getting any younger i'm almost 50 i'm I'm 11 months away from 50 so the idea that um these guys are 65 years old or something up there, you know, doing a reunion show, trying to make some money. That's a hell and I of a I got to go see this maybe seven, eight, five, ten years ago, whatever. It's pretty fun because it makes you feel 22 again. Yeah. And yet you look around, it's a bunch of 50-year-olds and 47-year-olds and just crusty near-death <laughs> things. You know, you've got youth on your side, Sean. Enjoy it. Uh, I'm 49. Okay? So. I appreciate the kindness of that statement. Um, but, yeah, it's it's wild how I feel like, 
in a lot of ways, music seems to keep people young. Like I saw, I hope so. I saw Bill and Sebastian in the zoo a couple years ago. I would like to go to that show. I have all that, the records. It was yeah. a really, really good show. I love that stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. what was so astonishing about it was Stuart, the leader of the band, who I believe is in his fifties now. Sure, sure, of course, yeah. But he spent the entire time, the entire like hour and a half, running back and forth on the stage like he was you know like 20 years old i cannot fathom now even being able to do something like that you know i hope it keeps you young i haven't seen the stones um for me the rolling stones were something that you're forced to listen to on the radio when you were a kid or they were something that your uncles liked because they maybe got to see it when they were a kid. Yeah. But I had my Stones moment where I really started to tune into what was beautiful about it now. And, you know, all that stuff, even the hits, I love it. I love it. And I wanted to go see it. And, you know, you want to go see a Mick Jagger at 79 years old yeah. kicking ass because it's neat. And, yeah. and they, you know, yeah, I know that... Keith Richards is a big piece of beef jerky up there, you know, with, you know, <laughs> knotted nut knuckles and shit, but that's why you love it, you know? And I know that there's, I don't know what the word is. It's like underneath the stage, someone's doing the oohs and the ahs and maybe keeping the rhythm or something. Yeah. I don't give a shit. These guys are still doing, you know. I mean, it's in, like, I always feel like the people who like give musicians shit for like lip syncing when they're like doing like full elaborate dances. It's just like they're working so hard you know, to try to do two separate for things. For the guy to go back and forth on the stage at the Bell and Sebastian. Listen, if they you know, if you had a great time, that's your memory. That's awesome. As I mature in my late 40s, we went and saw Jack White at the Moda Center um at the start of the summer. Yeah. And all my little, you know, stupid stupid little um warnings are going up like oh it's a big show it's at the motor center it's this big 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 yeah man that guy came out and kicked ass it was really, really? and here's the thing i own the records i'm a white stripes fan i get to work for jack every now and again on some posters and some fun things but it just gets too big for someone and by the way I- i'd rather listen to the records here at the house yeah you know and not have to put pants on and go out into the world <laughs> but it was it was wonderful yeah. And you felt young and you felt you stood up and it was, you, you know, even just with what little I see his promotion, I knew a lot of the new songs because they're just they're hitting you on these commercials and things. And you're, you're picking yeah. up these things, even whatever. It was killer. And that's a good thing for a heart and a, and a mind to be like, wow, we can go whatever your your flavor is. And I want to see this band go and enjoy that. You know, um, a couple Maybe a month ago, pavement came through. And, you know, I got a big pavement section somewhere here. But I had seen it back in the day, and I saw the starts and the stops and the creepiness and the inside jokes and all that shit. And by the way, when I see Stephen Malcolmus around town or on a plane, he lives here, I lose my shit because I'm a fan all the way back. But I didn't need to go see it at Edgefield. It was okay. I I could sit here and listen to the records. By the way, there were friends were sending me, you know, incredible high definition for 10 million K uh, video downloads of them playing two nights before you could just sit and watch it on your, you know, while I'm sitting there working on some document. Right? Yeah. And, and I didn't need to go see that. I did see it back in the day, but there are some things I'm trying to play catch up on, you know, but you know, you're right. Yeah. It, um, music still is something that um, is magical to me. How you make it, how you play it, how you perform it, how you make the art for it. Yeah. You know? And um, yesterday I got a really cool call to work for Chris Stapleton. And I can't really go into the the full expanse of that, but he's a big honking country star. But it's the idea that like that makes me feel like oh, I'm still I still gotta I gotta fight I got I, I still gotta 
I got a little bit of fight in me because, you know, yeah, so much of this is, and I know I probably told this ahead of time was like, I'm surprised when a Sean Schumacher comes and asks me to be on his podcast. Because, That's so flattering. Well, because <laughs> I am a dingus. Well, <laughs> by the way, this is a stupid podcast. At that, <laughs> I've been waiting to say that. No, because I heard someone else say it, so there I get to have fun with that. Okay, you know the idea that like I keep waiting to be. You know, in town here, I'm really careful with uh, what I go do publicly yeah. and stuff because I did a lot of it already, and it was a long time ago. You know, I don't need to do any more shows here, or you know, we do pop ups because we're just making money. You know, yeah. whatever. But um, I. I keep waiting for this sort of to be um, kind of done because it's been improbable, we'll say, that it was as big as it felt to me for so many different times. So, you know, when when you get a call from someone that you look up to, like a Chris Stapleton, this, you know, I'm not a big country music fan by any stretch, but I've learned to love his craft and his talent. And he is a big goddamn act in that world and the Nashvilles and the things and the stuff. But yet his record will be on the wall at Jackpot Records. See what I'm saying? Yeah. He crosses. He still makes it some nerd like me. Um, he's, it's not just the Margot Prices and the Jason Isbells and these, Stur- you know, um, these, Sturgill, you know, these guys who you know are the cool country that's happening right now. Yeah, yeah. He still fits in that thing, but he is one of the biggest things on the biggest stage, winning all the Grammys and stuff. So when you know that spirit of like getting that call was like, oh, man, maybe... I got another lease on this whole damn thing because there's going to be, you know, I get to do this pretty big thing for him. And that means people still think I can pull. Cause you know, here's the thing I've been kind of okay with like, if all that razzmatazz goes away, I built a whole arsenal of graphics. I can make a buck on, yeah. you know, and sell to stores and things and stuff and, and, and help benefits, you know, and do things. And, and that has nothing to do with clients calling me. No. Right? You like, know, when you said the Skillshare thing, it's like, I love those because I get to share. Yeah. I get to share. And yeah, I make a, you know, a paycheck and stuff, but it means a lot to me to demystify um this stuff because for when I when I was getting going in the mid 90s or early 90s you were afraid that you didn't have the good looks, you didn't have the cool degree, you didn't have the right chops, and yeah. it turns out that's all kind of bullshit. Turns out, absolutely. You know, thank God, because you know you can see me up in the in the real flesh here, Sean, and it's not pretty. <laughs> I apologize. I already signed the contract on that one. Sorry, but you know I love to be able to tell a kid, hey, um, with good craft in your Adobe Illustrator and good craft in your email, and being a good person, yeah. you can have a job and make a living and pay your rent. Especially you know? that yeah. last one, I feel like that matters more than anything else. You know, I know I got a big mouth, and I know I say some funny little things, and we've already had to, you know, you know, there's everybody <laughs> listening. There's a thing that he does here that if I say something stupid, he's got a code, or we won't get into it for security reasons. But, but he's already done it seven times, and we've only been in this thing for five minutes. But, um, you know, like hopefully, what people would know of me here in town, which means a lot to me, that. I was nice to them, you know, or I was accommodating or I went the extra mile or, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I was nice when they came up to me at Target. We love going to Target, by the way. We like go out there and just you know, it's buy, a wonderful place. buy Q-tips and shit. You know, it's great. And I'll, I'll, every now and again, I get a, you know, a kid, you know, here's something weird is every time I go to the airport, every time I get. Uh, one or two people coming up and saying, hey, I'm a fan or whatever. So I know to bring field notes and stickers and shit with me to oh. just basically kind of be like, hey, here's a little goodie for you and thank you, but I got to I gotta go. Yeah. I got to run or whatever, you know. And, and that's a privilege, you know, yeah. and that happens, you know. And, and 
you know, to to go back to you know my my love for this band, Pavement. I know the guy lives here, but I see him, at, you know, around town, and I don't really, you know, accost him. I don't really go up and just, you know, uh, yeah. uh, you know rake rake him over. But I, it's but hard, I, it's hard to start a conversation with a hero of yours while they're buying like cat food or something. <laughs> but I have, and at least with that guy, he was really gracious to me. Yeah. So every time some kid does make that leap, um, I just really try to be, you know, um, I hope that people would say, yeah, he's he's a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think everyone who has met you is going to say that. Well, I hope so. You you are so genuine. Well, thanks. Um, you've done a lot of things for, for different bands, like Heroes, over the yeah. years. Like, Do you have one that you kind of remember as being like your first? Well, yeah. I, if we were just to go and, and pinpoint like for yeah. music, per se, it would have been just Friends. And it was a band called The Dopes where I was able to make a full CD. And really what that means is, you know, maybe the record before that, another friend did it. And the record before that, like it was just like an insert onto like a burned CD or something. When I got to do it, they actually went, you know, and they had like the spine and the things you could pick colored pieces of plastic and all this neat kind of stuff. Oh, full on. So that was in 98 and I was in art school and I really went nuts because it was like, I don't care if they're going to make. 200 of these things they're my friends they're in a band and it deserves the graphic design you know um like maybe what we should do is i should i should get a link to that and show you that yeah and then we can you know have some fun with that because you can see me being a a weird little illustrator because at that time i was only a couple years away from like not having a computer so i would have to draw and draw and draw and draw now the last seven days here I got to do a big Tenacious D poster. Oh, shit. And it was all illustration. And what's fun about that is that's still inside me, but it wasn't something that was, it was due to limitations. Yeah. It was due to, I didn't have a computer. So doing that thing from your friends, I've never really lost that buzz because when you get to work with Chris Stapleton, there's a neat thing that comes with it. It's called a paycheck. <laughs> you get these, they're flat and you play with them and you look at them and they smell good. It's amazing. Sometimes they're as big as you are. Holy and you can, shit. Like, hold it up in front of the camera. I just love the fact that if you're the dopes or you're Chris Stapleton, you know, chances are you're not going to make 25 records like Elton John did. Yeah. You know, you might make, if you're really lucky, 10. Yeah. But the average is a couple. And then you end up owing money to a record. Now, that's just even in the big leagues. But if it's just your friends, you know, graphic design absolutely applies there. And if there's no money, who gives a shit? The funny part about that is I remember using that record to get me other jobs that might have paid a little bit. So, see, this is the sneak attack of, like, when you don't know any better and it was just a hobby and you didn't either unabashed or naive and you just show it to the world – you know, it's like people would see it and then they, if they like the design, they don't know that it was for basically nothing. Yeah. The game of perception's weird. Oh, it looks pretty good. It must have been this big thing. Yeah. No, it's a bunch of scrubs <laughs> called the dopes. That's what graphic does. It can elevate something that wasn't elevated yet. Exactly. And I love yeah. that. And there's no pay, there's the, the paycheck you get from that when you don't get paid is that you can sleep at night and you used your creative efforts to help make something cooler. So, yeah, you know, I love that element of rock and roll and I'm not, you know, when I get to work for the big or the little or the medium or the whatever, it doesn't matter. It still has my heart. It still has my heart because I remember when, it, when there was no money and turns out that's the case an awful lot still, <laughs> but who gives a shit? The idea that someone would say no to that is creepier to me than someone who would say and be able to understand the beauty of like, wow, 
How much time did we throw away in a week? Well, it's a lot. What if I made room in that time to make cool things for friends and things and stuff? Well, fuck, I've been doing that for years because all I knew before there was ever a paycheck was that's all it was. I used a big mountain of that stuff to get myself into art school. I used a big mountain of that stuff to get myself hired around Portland here. And that's been a lot of years. I used a mountain of that stuff to get myself funded for certain things. I mean, I get to go to these Adobe conferences and shit. And what no one understands is the domino effect of just this being fun and showing that has built into this thing now where it's like, you know, a guy pulled me aside. He was like, you know, you didn't really even show any client work in your last talk. And it was like, I didn't even think about it. You know, I was like, shit, I guess, isn't that cool? You know? Yeah. High five, man, because what if all you have is, you know, big, bigger, biggest, bigathon? Fuck, let's show the smallest, shittiest thing because if it looks as good as the big stuff, someone's got some answering to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's fun. That's fun to me. That, I, that, that fuckery is fun to me. Oh, am I allowed to say bad Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Sean. <laughs> Yeah, the censors are going to be make, so angry. Make me sound that. smart, John. Please, thank you. <laughs> I can arrange for that. I have to make myself sound dumber. You By should. the way, we're going to do this in one take. <laughs> There's no editing allowed. All right. All right. <laughs> that would certainly save me a lot of time. Um, you were doing design stuff before you got into design school. Like, what were you doing back then? Like, well, yeah, I was on a podcast. Um, I guess maybe last week where I, I forgot, I forget about like my first job in design because my first job in design was really at a snowboarding magazine where I was getting like a salary and it was competitive and I could start to pay back school loans and yeah. things and stuff. That's where it really started for me. That was in the year 2000. But no, about five years before that, I worked at a Nickel ads and you know, like the, one of those like uh publications yep, yep, with yep. just classified in, ads in Bend, Oregon. So you know, the 95% of the thing is like big ranchers called Tex Tex or whatever coming in and, you know, <laughs> you know, Tex Rutherford, you know, I'm a, whatever, these big cowboys and shit. Coming I in need there. to sell my used mattress. It, well, I mean, things to hold horses, things yeah. to carry hay, big trailers, big um, cowboy Cadillac trucks and shit. Okay. So what that teaches you is you have to go out and I wasn't a rancher, but I had to get, you know up to their level, down to their level, whatever you want to call it, and be accommodating and be a, a good citizen. So, you know, um, you know, these these are good old boys sometimes and you know, they're making comments that maybe don't jive with the way but hey, yeah. And I'm still doing my job to help them sell their little thing. But what it taught me was like graphic design can be applied to even the most hard scrabble, you know, piece of hard tack, yeah. Central Oregon, big tough rancher guy. And it was my job to make them sell that thing. And I forget about that gig because it was one of these deals where like I saw a little thing in the paper. So to answer your question, I was already, you know, out of high school. I was 17. I went into a tiny little two-year program in Northwestern Michigan Community College right in Traverse City, Michigan. That was a gift from my parents to do two years, 17 and 19, and get my associate's degree out of the way, right? It was graphic design. I learned how to turn the machines on, how to make things, how to paint, draw, think, spatial whatever awareness i mean how to print stuff out of a toner printer that was a new thing at that time yeah 91 92 93 i already had this sort of like mini education but i didn't have the tools so what i was doing was i was utilizing in 93 4 5 6 how to be an artist or maybe an illustrator or whatever and just fumble around and learn that stuff and make a tiny little living when i got my computer after my first summer in alaska in 96 it exploded for me 
because then I had the machine and there was no more, well, I don't have the tool bullshit anymore. Now it was like, I have the tool, I have the time. I'm not going out and either chasing girls or getting hammered or whatever the things that were happening in our little (laughs) community of, you know, dipshits around Bend, Oregon. (laughs) It was, I was, I had a a roof over my head and my room and I was getting down to business because I knew this is what I wanted to do with my little life. You know, I wanted to be, I had already studied it. So to answer that, it's like, when I went in to get this job, I didn't have the computer in 95, but I was sneaking into the community college there using a friend's account. And I would roll up there with my sketches and my, we'll just say field notes. We'll go up there with you know, my, my sketchbook and I would have minimal time, a couple hours on yeah. his sort of account to use PageMaker and a little bit of Macromedia freehand and maybe th- these you know, budding the first little bits of Photoshop. I knew how to use it from my school, but now it was like when I was up in Alaska saving for my computer, I would go and ride my bike across. See, we would get off the train. I worked on a sightseeing train. We'd get off the train really late, you know, 10 o'clock at night. Everyone would go right to the bars, fight, screw, drink, fuck, <laughs> everything, you know, get in trouble, you know, whatever, you know, what you do in Alaska. Yeah, anything to keep away the cold. Well, this is in the summer, but still, oh. I would pedal my little ass across town to this all-night Kinko's, and I would swipe my credit card, and then from midnight to four in the morning, I'd pay for four hours, and I would sit and design on a machine that had everything I needed. So... I, you know, making T-shirts for the crewmates or making whatever design I had in my head that I had penciled out quite literally. Not people are using the words literally the wrong way. Yeah. Um, (laughs) To the point I think even the dictionary is now. so fucked up. It pisses me. I mean, maybe take that out. But, you know, um, people are using it wrong. Yeah, the the Merriam-Webster people are going to be really angry with this show. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, on the backs of cherry pie canisters and stuff, because it had this nice toothy quality, and I would, you know... It, they would just throw it away and I would keep the square and I would make postcards and shit out of it. It was like chipboard, right? Yeah. And I would have my idea ready to go and then we'd get to the Kinko's and that taught you how to be quick because you don't want to spend more time, you know, dicking around. This is right as the internet is sort of starting. So you're, you're starting to see like design annuals, which are already a thing. You can go on someone's, you know, sort of rudimentary website and see their stuff. I, you know, it was just this whirlwind of awesome and I really tapped into that. And then I got my computer and then I didn't have to get those jobs anymore. Like yeah. I had that job for a while where we could use their computer, you know, to make my own things. If I just, once my job was done there, I would go and, you know, work late on stuff. Right. Cause you know, they would let me lock up and split a year later. I had my own machine a year after that. I went back to school. I, you know, I paid all that money to go to Minneapolis two years after that in 2000, I went and got my first job. Right. So, you know, I love to share that with a youngster because even if you don't have a computer or the tool or what, like a phone will allow you to do a lot of stuff right now, just your phone alone. Um, I didn't have any of that. That doesn't stop the process. You know, it's so what, you know, so you go swipe a credit card and use a couple hours. It taught me to get quick, taught me to be efficient, taught me to have, you know, uh, be good with my file storage because it was on these like zip drives and shit, you know, zip yeah. disks and stuff. You're old enough to remember those. Right? Oh, absolutely. So, I owned a zip drive. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, as a little funny side note, I have a hard time getting rid of all those things. Yeah. Even though like all the DVDs I had backed up, that's just on a series of hard drives sitting behind you. That's all pretty well refined and, 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 and backed up and backed up and backed up and on clouds and things and stuff. But those early artifacts that I saved money for and felt so lucky to get a ten thousand dollar computer in nineteen ninety six. I worked all summer and made ten thousand bucks. I spent all of it 
on my computer when I got back home. Wow. Four or five grand for this Mac clone thing called the Power Computing. Yes, um, remember, I remember that. Remember? remember? Yeah. Another grand for a scanner, another grand for a monitor, another grand for a printer. Now we're wow. at 9500 bucks, and I remember. I remember this. Yeah. I spent my entire summer up there washing dishes. And in Bend, Oregon, it was like this consultant guy. There wasn't a Mac store to go to. There wasn't a Power Computing store to go to, That one of these clone things. It was a consultant guy that ordered it from somewhere. Yeah. And I remember I ordered it and it was going to take a week or whatever. And every night I couldn't sleep because I knew what this thing was going to be. It was like, this is where I get to start and be one-to-one with these assholes who are underperforming, have all the tools in the world, and I'm going to be able to be right neck and neck with them. Yeah. And I remember when he showed up and he had some four-door you know, Volkswagen Rabbit or something, and he just pulls up and on the back seat – is my computer like like no foam <laughs> no boxes no protective doodad you know what i mean like not, even, you know, not buckled in or anything just sitting like in a shitty angle and all i could think was like what if that thing hit a bump on the way over here and the little hard drive disconnected from the ram from the whatever cpu you know what i mean yeah i spent my entire summer and that night you know i remember turning it on for the first time and that's where it took off for me because there was no more poo-pooing this idea of like, well, I can only draw. Yeah. And I can only go to what Kinko's. And it, ever since, I've had uh, the full capacity to uh, realize whatever goofy little thing inside my head. And, you know, today, I worked all day. Yeah. Because the stuff I wasn't allowed to work on this last week, today's my day to do it. And tomorrow's my day to do it. And I can't. I still can't get enough of that. Because not only is it tapping into this like... I want to get this thing off my field notes into the machine and then tuned up. It can make you a buck too. Yeah. You know, which is, is a really weird elixir. Yeah. You know, there were a lot of years there where it was, there was no eyeballs on me and it was only me making my stuff for myself. And that's, that's still okay. So to someone listening who is freaking out about how to get a job or, and I don't like the grind words always kind of weird to me, you know, but it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Cause it really implies that you're grinding yourself into dust, which yeah, is maybe know, not the it's, best. It's, it's like, metaphor. just, just sort of, um, keep this stuff really positive and yeah. be thankful that, that it was a privilege to sit and be creative all day, you know, and spend my time and my life that way and my life force that way. And yes, maybe make a buck, maybe not, maybe get faster on something. That's really, it's still really interesting to me that like, uh, reminding yourself how to remind yourself how to learn how to learn you, you forget because you get into your own patterns of riff raff riff raff riff raff and that makes you a buck you just stick with that but no today i stopped myself and went into the you know in essence online and looked at the new things in illustrator and learned a couple new tricks i might forget them but if i have that little note that reminds me to go and like you know put that into my arsenal yeah. that's still really interesting to me the idea that i can get better not only in illustrator but in life too and yeah. i know we were discussing some of that so it's like keeping learning keeping fresh like i think that's like something that you have to do in this field like you cannot just stop and well, say you, like i, mean, I don't want to look around, at anything new you're around all this really cool energy all the time you know, seeing young people figure it out yeah. or fall on their face. That's your job to be coach and help them figure it out. You know, like that's pretty cool. I mean, I know, and I'll just say it, you know, thank you for doing that. It's not the easiest thing in the world, you know, and I know there's big giant paychecks the size of this room and I mean, it must be nice <laughs> if I, if, if I can elevate myself there, but I always have a soft spot for uh, a Kate Bingham and Burt, you know, yeah. always. And because, 
well, you know, that some kid gets to go learn from that. That's pretty cool. Because I had a couple ones that were a little phoning it in or <laughs> a little too big for their britches. You know, we don't need to get the names and, you know, and, and shit. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But those folks that are not super supportive. They weren't fun. They, tend they just to... weren't fun. Kate yeah. is fun. You know, if I took one of your classes, man, we'd have a lot of fun. I think so. I think we could have a lot of fun. Just Aaron Draplin sitting there and, you know, got in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, Dra- Aaron Draplin got in trouble again. And, you know, Mr. Schumacher, I'm sorry that I, you know, whatever. Yeah, I, I walk into my construction vest and hard hat and start doing my whole spiel. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what you asked me, but it's like, you know, you know like, I, 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 this whole little funny journey of from having nothing yeah. with it to have a whole bunch of something with it. I would hope that people know that I still love to spend a Saturday um, making the seven things that I didn't have the time to make because I was, you know, messing around with Tenacious D. And by the way, that's pretty fun to mess around with that stuff. Yeah, you know I, I mean, mean yeah, yeah. I I would love to if I had the chance. That's, that's, like, that's the part that I have to really stop myself and be really present in that moment of like, you're not allowed to poo-poo this. Yeah. You are busy as hell, but it's on Tenacious D and they're, animals and you got to be thankful for that so i i you know i'm pretty good at that at, at stop myself whenever i feel a little oh i'm tired or whatever i'll just stop take a look and take stock of the moment and say man this is pretty cool like refill your cup of joy it, with it it, it, it really the cool you know, things you're doing when when, when I, i've been in a lucky position to have people listen to my bullshit and I get a lot of questions, very well-meaning, of like, hey, what happens when you get creative block, you know? And I have all these little funny bits I do about it. But there's just ways of, like, you know, of mining the good moments of the weirdness of creativity. Yeah. And if you have a little glimmer or a little blip of something and you don't, don't know where that came from, stop yourself and teach yourself how to capture it. Might be on your phone, might be in a voice memo, might be in a sketch in your field notes brand brand for nine ninety five over at the field notes brand dot com. You know, whatever it's gonna be, you know, what however you can capture that, that's something I still have to remind myself. We're going so fast. We're going so fast. So like this morning, I open up my field notes and I've got five sketches to go and attack or whatever it was. You know, and before I know it, I'll spend a full day I'll get through these things like that's still me. It's still my hobby. Monday, it, it might be back on the on the job for a bunch of hard scrabble shit like, you know, yeah, tenacious deep, but or something that is serious. Like we just did a job, a logo job for um, a software company, a game, a game software. Game code. What do they call them? People that design video games. Oh, and, like game developers. Sorry, game developers. We did a logo for that. And I was really on the job. And you know what the cool part is? We were done a month early. Because wow. somewhere along the way, they were like, you know what? We have these presentations already coming up. How are we looking? And it was like, we were just cooking. So what I'm getting at is, if that was the scariest thing I was working on, there's not a lot of creative block to go find there. Yeah. It's awesome, awesome, and awesome. You know, and, you know, the stuff that, like, like here's the stuff that I do a bad job with sometimes. Like, pursuing payment. Hey, same here. <laughs> I, I know that it's like a little weird thing in the bank. But I, you know, I have a hard time with, like, filling out paperwork to get into someone's vendor thing or whatever. And oh, it'll just God. sit, uh, that email will just sit and sit and sit. So like I have a job that I did, I don't know, at the end of August and it's still sitting there. Well, it's not a giant paycheck, but the idea is I'll just have to go and dig in, call someone at their company and say, Hey, where do I start? They're going to send me all this bullshit. That's the thing that I have a hard time with because 
in that time, I could have made other things. Yeah. I could have been you know, sharing. I could have been kind of entertaining on my Instagram or you know, having making fun of myself or making fun of something cool or helping prop something up. No, I was doing like clerical schmerical, just trying to track something down, you know? Yeah. Then, ah, damn. I, I can see it coming and then I'll avoid it. And that's maybe not, you know, I can get better with that department, I suppose. But it just, it feels like it's so antithetical to oh, the creative work. Like it drain. like I spent all this month trying to get paperwork filed with the yeah. HR department yeah. at school. And I mean, it's so... There's a reason for it. Crushing. There's a reason for it, and yeah. you have to you have to you know you have to do your job and 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 be a part of that and, and get into there and be a good citizen. But when I see what's coming, I'll avoid it because I just know it's going to be an afternoon of trying to track down some AP person. Now here's the, one of the reasons: the guys I worked with in this these game developer guys, when they got their file, like it was just like ting into my account whatever they paid me with. Like they're on that, top of that's shit. That's remarkable. So I've so, never heard of that before. Well, I mean, the, the bigger <laughs> the bigger the stuff you work for, the more 30, 60, 90 days things become. And yeah. It's just part and parcel when you work in the big leagues. Here's the deal. These guys have worked in the big leagues for years. They took stock and they jumped out and they started their own thing. And that's kind of what I did, you know, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. So I have a, a weird little spot in me to be always be sympathetic to that and excited to help out with that because, you know – that's like this neat reinvention of what they, they do. And let's just say that they make a healthier, better version of them being able to do what they do. They already are. They're, I mean, they already have things concepted up and they're, they're already cooking. They just needed a, a nice little exclamation point at the end of you know, on their website. So, you know, here we are designing this thing for these guys. I wish I could show you because it was really cool, but it has to work at like 10 by 10 pixels on oh, Discord, Jesus. Twitch, smizzle, smazzle, dongle, dingle, bingle, blingle, fungle, fungle, <laughs> all these new things, you know, right? All the things that are coming to replace and Twitter. And then, of now course, and then, of course, on Twitter. Yeah. And then, of course, on the things I know, Instagrams or on a water bottle or your laptop. So that was really fun to get them, like, make sure that we had this sort of granular stuff covered and then work our way all the way back up to the real fun shit, like a t shirt, a yeah. sweatshirt, you know? And that's a service that I provide to. You know, the big, when, when someone comes to me and that, those are big jobs to me. Now it might be a thousand bucks or it might be considerably more than that, but I, I, I love being able to facilitate that for someone to make their lives easier. The idea is this, I gave them that shit on a Friday or something by Monday, they would have been cooking. Yeah. I'll bet you right now they were, I mean, these guys are so on top of shit. If you wouldn't looked at their little world and they turn the on switch on and they're on Twitch and things and stuff, we have their color figured out and we know what their typeface was. They're probably already populating it right now. Almost certainly. I like mean, I'll, game developers have to move fast. You're right. And I really found that exciting because, you know, nothing hurts more than getting a big paycheck and a big job and a big everything. And then it all getting caught into the rigmarole of like red tape. Yeah. And like, oh, we're in a holding pattern. And it's just now the ego comes into play. Like, oh, this thing that I made for you guys that I thought was really successful is never even going to see the light of day. Well, hey, baby, you were paid. What do you care? That's really, it's really empty oh, sometimes, that's, you know? And so, that's the ad agency last minute kill. It's tough, joy man. Zone. It's real tough. So I'm really careful with those jobs that I accept because it's not even about the money. It's about, well, that is my November. So me, you know, teasing you with this Chris Stapleton shit, it's going to be a big part of my December, but, um, I just love the guy and I love what he stands for. I love his craft. Yeah. I love his music and I will give my time for that. And by the way, they'll reward me too with a nice paycheck, you know, because these guys do very well. But in the same respect, 
you know, what you saw me working on today. And, and I can't talk about it, but there's really no money involved there. And I don't really care about that. You know, people are afraid to ask me to work on stuff because they think I only work on big, 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 and big, you yeah. know, and whatever. And it's like, no, I, I got to, I take care of my mom. Yeah. You know, can you guys all, you know, when a band comes in here and says, well, we don't know what we should pay for this. And I go, well, listen, Chainsaw over here, he works as a dishwasher. And then he's the drummer. He doesn't have any money to pay. And then 2-Bit over here, look at this, fuck that guy. And then, you know, Scrizz Scraz over here, he's <laughs> barely, you can barely pay anything. But you, Mr. So-and-so, you work at Nike. That means you're paying a thousand bucks for me to make your, you know, like, you know, I know how to do a sliding scale and be like, hey, you know. What should this cost? So, you know, this person who, you know, if I'm like, listen, how many people are in the group? Oh, I think it's six of us. How about a hundred bucks for each person? That's 600 bucks. Hey, that goes to my mom to take care of my mom. Whatever that woman needs. Usually it's like Budweiser. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, you know, she's job number one. That That's a couple car payments for her. You know? Yeah, you know? yeah. And I'll just say right on, while we're on the record, mom, if you so much as just... One infraction, I'll cut you from the whole goddamn thing, and that's legal. If you're listening, mom, yeah, I mean, you stray. If you if you slip up, I'm talking one pica, and that's some design shit. You one half a pica, and you're done. Okay, next question, Sean. <laughs> okay, so you're. You're you're transitioning out of the nickel publication game. You're going yeah. to design school. How did you get into the snowboarding magazine? What's the what's the change there? Yeah, well, um, I will say without discounting ten years of my life, there was a bit of a step back. And and what that means is when I was a kid in the mid nineties, I got to go up to Mount Hood and that summer up at camp in nineteen ninety five, I was a hospital driver because I didn't drink, you know. So when I was doing that gig I met a bunch of these animals that were, you know, coming through for the summer themselves. And they had a magazine and they had jobs in the industry and all this cool stuff. So that was a shiny object for me because I had just come off of just being a snowboarder and skateboarder around Bend, Oregon and hopeful and wanting to make graphics and wanting to make things and wanting to make stuff. But you get to a point where you're like, you know, I mean, this was pre before I went to school. Yeah. I got to see some of that stuff in Portland coming up from Bend and see these cool jobs. But the takeaway was, shit, I don't have a degree. Shit, this guy is really on top of his game. But, you know, he already had three or four years at so-and-so company. Oh, yeah. shit. Turns out you could just put an application in and maybe even just get the gig. Yeah. But I didn't, you know, the perception is I don't have that piece of paper. So I went back to school thinking, if I got that thing, then I'm accredited. Or I have all my stuff, my ducks in a row. I didn't necessarily need it. Yeah. But what a privilege it was to go. So anyone listening, if you're going to school and you want to go to school, go. And that's I, I think that's awesome. the thing about it is it's like design is not really an academic field in no. the traditional sense. Like there's not like a – I mean God help us if there ever becomes a PhD in design really. Well, there probably is <laughs> somewhere. Some horrible. fucking Yale bullshit yeah. or whatever. I mean, I mean you guys are so fun. You guys yeah. are fun. But that's the thing is yeah. like I think we really are believers that what you're coming to school for is to help to build your sense of – what this field is through your classwork, but also through community. Yeah, you guys because, make it, you yeah. know, that's, that's a really savory thing about what you guys do that, like, you know, no one's afraid to use this tool already in their lives. But when you get that job at Nike or whatever the hell, no, you got to buckle down and do the job. You know, to meet all these animals that summer, then five years later, yeah. I get out of school and I'm getting ready to get out of school. And I got this sort of tease to be like, hey, come work at a snowboarding magazine. Now, 
When I left Bend in 1998, I left behind this world of like snowboarding, people saying the word dude, these pursuits of youth, you know, like kind of Peter Pan, like, oh, I don't care how old I am. I got my pass for the mountain. And it was really fun and healthy. And it was fun to go be a snowboarder. But I was so excited to go get myself into like maybe, maybe a little bit of the big leagues of graphic design academics. We'll just say at this cool school in Minneapolis, the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. Like I just wanted to be a school. I just wanted to see what it was like if I had what it took. Yeah. And because you don't know any better, you know, when I went in there, I got a big scholarship and that, that tells you something. And then it's like, okay, now it's time to like really buckle down. Yeah. I had a fucking blast. But my next trajectory was not back into snowboarding. It was to go work in an agency, but I went and saw that shit up close. Yeah. And there were dudes with tucked in shirts and sitting around, you know, <laughs> bullshitting about the client did this, the client did that. Yeah. And it kind of scared me away, you know? Yeah, so that, my that buddies that I met from this summer up at camp, Five years before, they dangled a job in Southern California, and I went down there to be an art director for Snowboarder Magazine, which is just the art person out of six or seven of us making the magazine. Southern California is not where I would think that a snowboarding I, magazine should be situated. Well, it's, it's all but... the surf. It's all the entrails of the surf I world guess, yeah, now, that and, makes and the sense. skateboarding world of it. It was pretty rough for me because I was coming from gritty-ass Minneapolis where it was like okay to be a big water buffalo, okay to, you know, um, you know, just a funny little side note. I was just telling the story like the first time, like today I'm listening to the Style Council, which I don't know if you're ever a fan of Paul Weller or a, a fan of The Jam, the band The Jam back okay. in the day. But anyway, today is a Paul Weller day for me, right? I'm doing all the Paul Weller stuff. I'm doing all the Style Council shit. I'm doing all the Jam. Okay, okay, okay. Well, when I went to the UK years ago, People are dressed to the fucking nines. Have you been to London? No. Oh, you got to go. Because people really dress. And I'm standing there like I should be like getting hay off the back of a, <laughs> of, a, of a fucking truck, you know, with a Carhartt jacket and a pair of blue jeans and maybe some tennis shoes or something. You know what I mean? These people That's are a dre- Portland tuxedo. Well, they're sure. I mean, these guys are dressed to the fucking nines, you know, and they're just, I don't know, they're in rock bands, they're going to work, they're going to things. And by the way, these Paul Weller types, he's a fucking style icon over in the UK. So, you know, when I was over there, I was like looking these things up and it, it and it just a couple of days ago it just like damn man like what what pressure to have to worry about that stuff like I haven't you know I joke about being pantless and stuff but I had an entire career where there was never anyone measuring that stuff yeah. when I went to that snowboarding magazine it's just some dipshit in like surf trunks and a t-shirt that says something wearing <laughs> flip-flops on the fucking beach it was really chill it was yeah. instant privilege of like this exists. I didn't see that when I was in seeing these guys getting jobs at Target and stuff in Minneapolis or going to these big agencies where you have to kind of up your game to go be a part of this thing. Yeah. It freaked me out. Well, you know, in a, in some respects I took a step back just because I wasn't interested in that world anymore. I did it as a kid. The language is just like, kind of like, oh man, like I'm not concerned with that anymore. And not to mention I wasn't up on the hill anymore. But there were opportunities that started to come out of it. I worked for the Snowboarding Magazine. I got up to Portland. I worked for a place called Cinco. I worked on Nixon watches and cool, really high, high-end action sports shits. Gravis shoes and like this really Helly yeah. Hansons and neat parts of Nike and Adidas. Okay, okay, nice, nice stuff. And watched that explode around me. But only did that for a couple years. And then from 2004 to about 2012, I worked out of this basement here and worked on snowboarding brands. So. I was with my friends, but it was a bit of a, you know, it's hard to look at it now because I feel bad that 
I wasn't going and sharing the hill with them anymore. Mm. You go 10 years before that, 95, 97, 94, 92, man, that's all I had was be a snowboarder, scum, you know, scumbag, skateboarder, or whatever. My identity had sort of changed, you know, yeah. and it's okay. I was, for me, it was going up a different kind of food chain to like go and be in an office in a thing and work on these other projects. So in 2012, I kind of just jumped ship from all of it because in some respects, I knew there was another world out there that could hire me. I definitely proven myself inside the snowboarding world and I was making pretty good money. You yeah. know, I had a number of retainer clients and, you know, was able to do like really cool snowboard graphics for all my favorite companies I grew up with. But also, in a weird little way, I knew that I had to get out of the way because, you know, if I'm almost 50 now, then I would have been coming up on 40. And I was like, you know what? I don't want some 22-year-old kid who saved his money all summer understanding that the graphic that he's going to buy or she's going to buy or they're going to buy, that some old 40-year-old cynic, in essence, made that for them. Someone who was, like, cringing at the idea of a bunch of snowboard dipshits staying at my house all summer. And that's what it was. These are my friends, right? But I, I was kind of done with that stuff. Yeah, it, you know? just, so, it didn't feel genuine you know, So anymore. I jumped out. I jumped out. And, you know, and since then, that's been 10 years now, I've made my own way. And that's when the, the going on the road started and talking about yourself, which is always weird. But, you know, in that time, I got to work for some of the, the lefty politicians, and I got to work for bands and brands and things, and, and sizzle pies and shit in town here, you know, uh, uh, super deluxe burgers and stuff in town, all those, all the goodies in town. I got to work for a lot of that stuff. And, and you know, today, you know, it's like, you know, I still touch those things, but I'm able to make a living with, you know, all these other things that kind of come from that. But just yesterday, I took a job for a wakeboard company. Now, I don't know the first thing about it. I know these dudes are getting towed, you know, uh, behind boats and things Something and like stuff. That. You know, and yeah, they're hitting jumps and berms and wakes and flippity flaps. I don't know. <laughs> but if I can apply what I do to that world appropriately, have good spirit, and be different than all the other characters in it, then I'm doing my job. Yeah. yeah I'm doing my job. And that just sounds fun to me. It, you know, I did a. You guys. <laughs> I have to come clean. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm sorry to all the snowboarders who are listening. I, I'm sorry. My name's Aaron Drapplin. I, I did a pair of skis a couple of years ago. I'm sorry. You know, they, they, they dangled it in front of me. It looked fun. And, you know, I, it's fiberglass and they're smooth and they're, you know, and I did a pair of skis. You know, you I didn't think that this was going to be such a scandalous show. I know. Well, you know, when we were kids, what skiing was for us were dudes racing in speed suits yeah. with lots of money. And shitting on us dumb little snowboarders. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Ned Flanders saying, it feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. Pretty much. Well, this was, I had a chip in my shoulder. And what you come to learn as you age, it's all the same bunch of fiberglass and bullshit up on that hill. <laughs> and rich kids and whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And, you know, every time I hear someone say to me, like, I just took my kids to so-and-so mountain. And I say, well, how much were the lift tickets? And they say 180 a day. It's like, Jesus. oh, my gosh. Now, I, listen, someone did that to me when I was a kid, too. Like, ah, oh, back in my, you know, whatever. So here's the thing. To go and apply my graphic design to skis or, um, you know, a longboard and skateboarding, something that might not have been as fashionable when I was a kid, I'm really proud to do that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. because it can be applied there. And and, and I always vet myself when, when I'm with them. I say, hey, hey you guys, um, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. You know, is there someone else there that um, should be doing this? Because that's what I did in 2012. I, I just kind of said, who's the next wave of rat kids that should be doing this? It, it, it's, it's probably not me yeah. anymore. I've done it, and I've, I've done well for a decade. 
now I want to try something else and let me get out of the way. And yeah. I did, you know, and there's, there's probably another level of that coming at some point with some of this stuff. Like I, in the last couple of years, if I'm too busy, I have a, an arsenal of um, names and addresses that I send along with a reply and say, okay, maybe I'm not the right guy for this job because I'm just too busy with everything else, but please go check out Matt Dawson from Stay Gray, you know, Pony Boy. Okay, incredible work. Hey, go check out Lauren Dick from Austin. She's awesome this way, that way. Go check out this guy in Cleveland, OK Pants. He's a great illustrator. Okay, right? And I I, I put those out into the world and um, and get out of the way. And then I love when six weeks later someone writes me and says, hey, man, you put my name in there, right? Yeah. Oh. And, and I got a paycheck. It's like, hey, man. This is what we're doing this shit for. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. Yeah. You know, one time there was a roast of me and that Lauren Dick, man, she fucking ruined me. <laughs> ruined Lauren Dickens. She fucking messed me up, man, in, in Austin. She was she was good and just ripped me in half. And that's okay. I'm a big fan. Well, that's, that's how she got the Dick family name. Yes, yes. So, so you know, this is... This is uh, um, I love putting her name into stuff and saying, hey, because she's got a humor and, and, and whatever. Or there's this one gal, uh, Alana Louise, who does all lots of fish, lots of cool fish graphics. Or here's a one that you probably know, Brett Stenson. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, that's a local ripper. And Brett, if you're listening, you stay off of 67th because I don't need you to fuck up my <laughs> stock price while you're out here. Because, man, he, that guy's got some moves, man. He's got some moves. You know? Yeah. Anyway. Okay, next question. So. <laughs> So, like, you're now up here. Like, what then kind of makes you want to step away and start your own company? Like, because that's a big, scary thing. Yeah, I mean, I certainly didn't have a game plan. It was a couple people that pulled me aside and said, so you know, you can do this from your home. Yeah. And that was really cool to hear because the normal course of ladder climbing and being a good little citizen and getting the job and waiting for the raises and having to go in front of people and be like, this is why I should get a raise. Like what a fucking creepy process. All that stuff is performance evaluations and shit. I was able to shed all of that and it really was just on me and I did okay. But those were leapfrog moments where I just wasn't going blindly out into the world. I had offers or, Hey, would you want to take on this set of, you know, and I would perk up like, whoa, 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 take on what? Yeah. Yes. Because that's my Thursday and Friday of that week, of course. And, you know, before I knew it, I had an entire week filled with making snowboarding magazines and snowboard graphics and things for this industry that I grew up loving, you know, and being a big part of. But each time I would get a job that, you know, was a couple degrees away from that, I was really excited because it meant that I was able to apply it just past this little world I, I knew, you know, which was... You know, I was comfortable in that world. I knew all those people from that snowboarding world. Um, But, you know, to make my own thing, it was like, before I knew it, I had my own thing. I had it before. I had it when I went back to school. I just didn't know. Yeah. To take those first wobbly steps. By the way, I didn't do that out of Cinco Design, just blindly out into like, you know, into the blinding, you know, whiteness of some whiteout snowstorm or something. It was like, no, you, you save your money and then you make a leap. You know, there's a bridge there. Yeah, there's, you know... I worked a ton of freelance for a couple years and had enough to buy my home as in do the down payment and then have two or three years of rent just covered because what if I bought the house and then that 1500 bucks a month I was paying, you know, uh, uh, what's that 12 grand a year or whatever the hell it is. Okay. You know, well, I've got 30 grand in the bank that covers a couple years of rent. If nothing happens, at least I have my rent paid. Yeah. Well, shit started to happen, you know? So the idea of turning it into my own thing, it was, I had a couple guys tell me like, you know, you could do this from home. 
and you're going to see that, you know, you're, we can see it in you. You have the energy and you stay the latest at this place at Cinco is where I worked. And you were one sometimes, you know, like I would stay until two in the morning because not only were we there working on projects, then the principal would go home. I could go crank my amp up and fucking rock out. You know, I couldn't do that in my shitty apartment on Hawthorne. (laughs) Like you're in this industrial zone right off of uh, 11th and I think it was market or something. And, And, I could just play my music or have tons of real estate to do like little screen printing projects with my GoCo printer and use their ping pong table and put 300 cards up. And, you know, there were people that would leave right at five o'clock. Yeah. So that energy, someone saw that in me, warned me about it and said, here's how you're going to go do this. Everyone's climbing a ladder to become the best and the best and the biggest and the best. It was a production guy that pulled me aside and he said, your files are tight. You work well with people. I don't want you getting some job at Wyden. I said, what does that mean? He said, because they're going to see you, and you've got this in you. Don't do it. Draplin, I leave at 5 o'clock every day. I'm a production guy. I go ride my bike. He's some cyclocross guy. This is in 2001. I ride my bike all night, and he goes, you know what? I make five grand less than you make, and I don't have to be here till midnight, you know? Pretending that you're going to climb some ladder. Get out of here. You're never going to own the place. You're never going to, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it was. And it was like, oh, okay, it's okay. So I jumped out. And my first year out on my own, becoming my own thing, I tripled my wage. So wow. when I joke about this and I, I throw these numbers around, like I had a job for 65000 bucks. The reason I say that, that was the most money I'd ever made in my life. I had a job at an awesome agency making sixty-five grand. I started to pay off my school loans. I was paying back my car and all these other things. My first year on my own, I broke 200. Now, I'm not trying to brag. What I'm saying is, fuck, that was cool. Yeah. Because then, within a couple of years, that little house I had just bought, I paid off. Damn. Yeah. All well, right. because you know the money's coming in, and yeah. you pay your taxes, and you all the bumping and grinding with all that shit. But when you know, I, I started to have a bank account for the first time in my life. You know, you know, up to that point, isn't that interesting? With these cool jobs and cool things, I never had more than five grand in the bank. Never, because it's not. Built into that system, no one's gonna like give you more than their than exactly what they have to, you know, because that's how someone gets ahead. Yeah. Fine, fine, fine. When I got on my own, it was just up to me. If I want to work until five in the morning or get up at five in the morning, that's on me. Yeah, because I can make more cash, and I did. So I paid all my shit off, and by the time it was about the year two thousand nine ten, I was completely, completely debt free. Like I owned my house, mm. I had my school loans paid off, I owned all my car everything. So the ability to go on your own and then hyper refine your life to where you actually like what you're working on. You like the people you're with and then get ahead. You know, I mean, I I always talk about this thing on the road where I go, you know, like remember back in cool stereos and they had all these little, little buttons and little, little little knob things, you know, EQ. EQ. Okay. To this day, I don't know how to set up an EQ. No. But the idea is, (laughs) I grew up around audio production. uh, Right. That's what you're saying. Your dad, right? So, your dad does, right? And the, the high-end gain and the high-end whatever. Okay, who, listen. If you look at like a job in graphic design, sometimes on the little EQ thing, you're going to get paid nothing, but it's yeah. going to be real high in the creative department because you're not getting paid anything and you get to do whatever the hell you want. Now, sometimes you get paid a lot of money. Whoa, push it all the way up. But the timing is horrible. And that one goes down. Now, what happens when you have time on your hands, you're getting paid more than you thought you should have, you feel creative as shit. That's what it's been like for me. 
these last bunch of years. Damn. I mean, these last, what, 15 years or something. It's, there's not too much to complain about. There's nothing to complain about, right? Right. So I love to share that. And then somewhere in there, I made time to do the skill shares and go on the road and do all the workshops or, or, and no one ever sees this shit. All these rat kids who hit me up and need a little bit of help with their portfolio, finding time for that shit. So listen, <laughs> if you're waiting for a call on my DM right now, just relax. I got a couple hundred a day. You know, I do make time yeah. for all those sorts of things, you know. So, yeah. What was the answer to the question? The answer is, <laughs> fuck yeah, I did it, and I'm never going back. Okay. Yeah. What, I mean, like, you've you've had such great success. Like, what do you feel like are the things that you've stumbled through or that you, you yeah. haven't? succeeded at well when you make money and you don't know what to do with it like with taxes and stuff that yeah that, that, to everyone who's listening if you guys are on the cusp of actually getting ahead with this stuff you need to go and ask for help and make sure that you're not getting in any sort of trouble because if you're of age and you owe tax to uncle sam you know you can get in trouble with that shit so yeah um, I've, I've been audited i wouldn't recommend oh it. really oh okay. yeah see yeah I bad mean, time yeah i mean i'll just you know whatever you know there were years that I let shit slide and nothing too nefarious, but it's just, I didn't know any better or I didn't even, I got a call from the city of Portland and the woman was like, what's the Draplin design company? And I said, well, I'm in my backyard. I work on things. And she was like, you don't have a business license. I didn't even know you had to have a business license. Well, it turns out when you get a business license, you have to pay tax, you know, blah, 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 blah whatever it was. And it was like, I don't, what else do I need to know? You know, when we went down the line, it's like, what yeah. else do I need to have? Do I need to have a, you know, a, a something, a, you, know, you have to pay the dog catcher, some kind of sticker you put on the, what I have a dog, you know, Gary, my little wiener. I didn't even know, you know what I'm getting at? It's like, I didn't know. No one ever told me. So you learn, you learn. So, you know, I, I think also, um, you know, one of the big things, and it's hard to talk about, but it's, you know, it's a sedentary lifestyle. Yeah. And sitting on my ass working all day and getting ahead. You know, it's, <laughs> here's some fun little bit of math for you, but you put on three pounds a year for 30 fucking years, you can do the math. What if you put on four? You, I can put on four pounds in a weekend, maybe, right? You know, or something. Yeah. What if you put on five pounds a year for the last 25 years? That's you, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like suddenly, you know, you're this giant fucking beast. Well, whatever you want to call it. You know, I'm getting help in that department. Yeah, I've been saying this shit for years, but, you know, it's non-negotiable. The other way is not working. Yeah. And as you get older, so I have to move and I, we have to really monitor things. And, you know, on the weekend we go lose our shit a little bit and go get, you know, funny little restaurants or whatever. But otherwise we're really watching things. And that's something I've... You gotta move. You may not think you need it now, but you do need it. You know, I, I do little things around here, but it's just not enough. And that's like taking out the recycling and doing stuff. But you know, this last summer, I walked every other day, go every three days a week to a trainer, and I lost, you know, um, I lost about like uh, seven DDC books. So that's um, twenty eight pounds or thirty pounds, that's or whatever fantastic. it was, or four pounds a book. But um. I lost that and like, shit, what happens if I do it again? And that's what we're going to do this winter. So, and that takes buckling down. So when people say, well, what kind of mistakes did you make? And it was like, well, I screwed up on my taxes a couple of times, but I got my ass out of that and figured it out. Mm. Uh, a big mistake is I paid way too much for a cool thing downtown for too long. Right. Yeah. And I was able to get out of there, build my shop back here to my spec. And it turns out I own it. Yeah, and you don't have to commute anymore. My commute is ten steps, Schumacher. It's nice, <laughs> and I, you so know, it's so, it's so wonderful back here. So, you know, mistakes would maybe be like getting in bed with some clients that maybe um, 
it's not even a mistake that it was just a big shiny paycheck. Yeah, and, so, but and, it leaves a bad taste and in it, your and, mouth. You know, and then you get your heart broken. But that's not you. You didn't go into it. You you may, you know the mistake was well they turned out to be shitty people. Yeah. Is that my fault? Well, some of those things happen, but you have to learn from that stuff, you know. But you know, when I look back, it's like oh, this is going to sound horrible, but you know, we're in this culture where people love to share war stories of like, and then I was at, you know, I was in the heavy drinking phase of my life, and it's like I'm not really qualified to like weigh in on that because I don't know what that's like, and mm. I'm not going to judge someone or shit on them or something. But I didn't really have the opportunity to do that or really lose my shit. Now, if someone's struggling with that stuff, hey, you got to get a little bit of help if that's your deal. Hey, if you don't care about it, then go for it. Do what you got to do. But I didn't really have that opportunity to just screw shit up. Because if I did, I wouldn't be able to get a car. Yeah. If I did, I wouldn't be able to go to school. If I did, I wouldn't have got a computer. You know what I mean? Like we'd be up in Alaska all summer long and people are getting in trouble and they're getting in fights or they're, you know – they're doing things they shouldn't have done, and then they're having to pay for it while they're in Alaska. And it's like that's not why you. Sure, you came here to have a fun summer, but you're in the red now. Yeah, you know? you're in the red. Like you're you're having to dig out yourself out of a hole. You still have to work all summer. Like every summer I went up there, it was like all positive. I I I I, I gave five months of my life to get a computer. I gave five months of my life to pay for the first bunch of school. I gave five months of my life one summer so I could just pay off some credit cards. And then get a little bit more ahead, and I would see that, and I didn't have that opportunity to screw up. Yeah. So you know, it, you know, I may probably make mistakes every day, but those are the the glaring ones. You know, I remember I wasn't allowed to screw up too bad. Maybe that's coming where I just start drinking and fighting and taking, you know, saying bad things, and jaywalking, <laughs> and what else? You know, not saving my documents and just leaving shit on, you know, leaving on shit on desktops like bad desktop behavior. You know, just leaving shit laying around bad file naming what else <laughs> sending things to press with broken links oh, fuck. when i sent my book in 2015 my editor john gall i remember him it was a hard drive and he's like draplin when i opened up the indesign file all the links were so beautifully done i was like hey baby how many times in your life do you get to make a fucking book i took this i spent a whole summer i took it very seriously you want it to be perfect i i mean many, it's got your name right it, there on it the wasn't cover. supposed to happen Right. Yeah. I tried to sell myself out of it. You know, I wish we would have recorded those first calls because I was like, I don't want to be one of these guys that makes a book and expects you to look. And, oh, really? Well, yeah, because I just didn't, you know, I, I just, I know what a privilege it is. And I just said, do you, you know, fuck, do you think I have something? He's like, that's why I'm calling. So, I'm like, okay, let's do it. And then it was like, okay, here's my laundry list of what I want to do. And we're going to do this, right? Yep. Can we make it affordable? Because I don't want to make something that's any bit unattainable for the average rat kid because I was one of those. Yeah. And I remember going to Powell's in 1995 and going to the design book section and not being able to afford stuff. Yeah, those like Tashin books that are all wrapped up in plastic. and You just couldn't just afford like, them. Oh. I would look through them and I didn't even have a phone to like, you know, like here's the thing. It's like if you go to the bookstore now with your phone, just something grabs you, you take a picture of it. Yeah. You know? And if you can't afford that big honking thing, just go grab the three or four pages of stuff that really get you. So what? Go to a library and do that. And yeah. then go learn from that. You know, it's like... That's exactly what I tell my page layout students to do. Yeah. Because, like, you know, you don't have to have the book in your possession. You can just, like, take page away layout? the inspiration. You should bring me into that class, and I will fucking... 
decimate those little <laughs> bastards. I'll do it one-handed. I'll do it binary from my phone. I miss layout. In fact, I have a little thing that I do where if I see some horrific bit of verbiage somewhere, I'll go and just take that, cut and paste that paragraph, and then tear it apart and build a little hierarchy out of it. Here's the, the main idea. Here's the tiny little things. Oh. Here's how your eye works from the corner. I, you know, I know how to this make, makes me very happy. make magazines and things and stuff, but I don't get to do it very much. Yeah. You know, in fact, I use um, InDesign just for my old invoices. Just, really? just, just to stay fluent, I, I suppose. I come from Quark, yeah. you know, and building these, you know, snowboarding magazines and catalogs and things and stuff, 64 pagers, big honking things. And, Love that world. The book was 256 pages, my book, you know, and loved building that out because I knew that world. I knew the idea of like, you know, if your book is eight by 10, you don't put a half inch border around it. You have to put 0.75 or 0.875 on the insides because the way the book folds, the way it's bound, you know, it's going to be up against the, you know, into the, I don't know, what's the proper nomenclature, the crotch of the the spine, you know, in the nether regions, in the no man's land, you know what I'm saying? Shit, digging around, you should, you know, you gotta... gotta, I I like that term as much as anything else. You you gotta finesse that a little bit. And like, I still know that. So check it out. We have edge creep and creep even on our field notes. Like the way that you have to take into consideration when the field notes are folded and stapled, that's about an extra eighth inch. Yeah. So if your shit's perfectly centered, it's going to move an eighth inch towards that spine when the paper folds. See what I'm saying? Yes. So Brian Bedell, the unsung hero of field notes in Chicago, Brian Bedell, you know, he understands that. So he'll send me these files and my heart will beam because it's like, Ooh, he knows how to compensate for the fold of the fucking paper. I That's forgot. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. He didn't. So he rescues my ass all the time. Pretty cool. Oh, God. I, I mean, what haven't we covered here? My favorite Pantone is uh, Pantone 021. A lot of gain right now. Sorry. Anyway, all right. Well, you know, uh, uh, the triumphs that I've had, I've done some wonderful podcasts in my backyard, and this might just be the best. So thank you for coming there, Sean Schumacher. Well, thank you Aaron oh my god thank you so much I am so grateful for all of your kind words and just for you being here on this dumb well, dumb just place show. me next to just make sure that my my podcast sits right next to Sturgill Jason, Jason, <laughs> just right next to it so I don't I don't know for alphabetical or numbers but I want to be right next to him just because I'm a fan god damn it that's it so please however it stacks up you know make sure I'm just sitting right next to him to really stink his podcast up right? <laughs> love that guy it's awesome yeah yeah, shout out, Jason. Hi. Um, well, thank, thank you again, Aaron. And thank all of you out there, uh, including Jason Sturgill, uh, for listening. Um, this one is kind of a momentous episode because it is going to mark our one-year anniversary of this show. Well, congratulations, one, man. One That's entire awesome. year. You. This show has been around the sun. So if you are uh, you know, looking for something to do during these long, cold winter months, we now have a full day's worth of amazing design conversations with even more amazing designers to dive into. What's more, if you want to celebrate, the best thanks that I could get is if you could tell a friend, you know, maybe leave a review for the show. And I mean, hey, I don't I don't normally get into this much detail, but like if this show has made a difference or, you know, you just want to say something nice to me, I would love to hear about it. And if you drop it. Let me get a word in here, Schumacher. Listen, you people, you got time on your hands. You're listening to all this other bullshit. Go listen to this thing. Review it. Tell go up and down your block and tell people all about this podcast. All right. (laughs) 
Now, <laughs> enough of this. You're pissing me off. You're hemming and hawing. You know, come on. He's a sweet guy. He's funny. He's got a great laugh. It's a fun podcast. Get out there and do what you got to do. All right. You know, go to the go to Safeway. Okay. There's a lot of people going in and out of the Safeway, and tell all these people all about this. It's got pretty good deals. There and you if go. You, all if right. you've got a Safeway right. Club card, then you can get even better. Do deals. the do the right thing, Portland, and and elsewhere and everywhere else in the world. Okay, and just help blow this thing up. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you. Um. Yeah, and and you know if you if you are hearing this for the first time and you like what you've heard, please subscribe, and then you'll get new episodes every other week. Uh, you can find it on your podcast player of choice by searching for "Did I Do That." You found this one, so probably you're you're in good uh, good zones to find. Boy, I'm good at talking. Um, but you can also go to our website, dididothat.design, which is where you can find some good, good images that go along with each and every episode. And if you want those images delivered directly to you, you can follow the show on Instagram or subscribe to our brand spanking new, ins- uh, not Instagram, our new newsletter, because I think Twitter will be maybe dead by the time that this episode is published. And I feel like I should have more than one thing for the show. So for our for our one year anniversary episode, I am Sean Schumacher. This is Did I Do That? And as always, at the end of every episode, we say Did I do that? (laughs) (laughs) You did. You did indeed. Thank you. Halitosis. <laughs> Hal who? Yeah. The the terrible disease that the people at the uh, uh, the, the mouthwash company invented. Is that what it was? Yeah, 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 yeah. The Listerine company invented so no halitosis. halitosis. Nope. Not no a medical shit. condition. That's amazing. Yeah. Because I'll tell you right now, my aunt has some gnarly bread. Just kidding. She definitely <laughs> has it. I'm just, I'm just making that. I'm even... Okay. Yeah, cool.